From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. Now, here's your host and bud tender, Gary Johnston. Welcome back. If this is your first time, well, an especially warm welcome, because we are going to spend the next 30 minutes or so talking about all things cannabis. I tend to have a bit of a passion for the plant. If this is your first time, you may not be aware of that now. If you've been here before, you are obviously aware of that. On this episode, well, we are going to talk about some really cool things. Have you ever wondered why it is that some people can feel really good with a particular weed and yet others can smoke that same thing and get paranoid? We're going to take a look at a story about that. There's some encouraging news in B.C., some initial encouraging news at least, about some talk of cannabis lounges. And we're going to look at a story of the grower of today's cultivar, Travis Tully, and Okanic Craft, which is the grower of today's cultivar corner, and that is K-Town Kish. All of that and more on episode 79 of the Cannabis Podcast. And before we dive into the details, let me do a couple of shout-outs. First of all, a shout-out to Kevin. Kevin is my buddy from Alberta. He's been a listener for a while now, and it was in the Okanagan this week. We didn't unfortunately get a chance to meet, but we did manage to kind of connect, and Kevin gifted me some Ogin gasberries. Looking forward to doing that on Cultivar Corner, Kevin. Thank you so much. You're going to hear that in the future. Also wanted to send out a shout out to my brother, Bill, and his daughter, Angie, who, of course, is my niece, since he's my brother. <laughs> I'm getting a real kick lately of seeing pictures that Angie's been posting on Instagram that show my brother and Angie sitting down and listening to an episode of the Cannabis Podcast. Welcome along for the ride. I'm glad you're here, you two. And I assume that you are properly prepared. Today's inspiration, well, that is Triangle Kush from Black Kettle Farms. Uh, that will be another future cultivar corner. And speaking of another future cultivar corner, there's going to be one for Josh. Remember my friend from Ontario who sent me some super sour diesel? That's coming up. And listen to this. If you have listened to any of these episodes, further episodes, or... <laughs> previous episodes... <laughs> of <laughs> the Cannabis Podcast. <laughs> oh. I'm getting giggly. <laughs> ah. That is a tiny sample of what you'll hear next week when Cultivar Corner takes a slight deviation because I actually got high eating cannabis. Now... Let's get to the details. The first story I want to cover today is from ifiscience.com. Why marijuana makes some of us feel good and others paranoid. While some people experience a fun euphoric high when smoking marijuana, others feel paranoid and anxious. Exactly why marijuana affects people differently has been poorly understood, but a new study published in Scientific Reports suggests one part of the brain may be responsible, at least in rats. Until now, it was unknown which specific regions of the brain were responsible for these highly divergent effects of marijuana, said study author Stephen Laviolette, a professor at Western's Skurek School of Medicine and Dentistry. In a lab setting, 
Researchers identified a target region in the brains of rats that LaViolette says seemed to independently control the rewarding addictive properties of marijuana versus the negative psychiatric side effects associated with its use. Receptors for tetrahydrocannabinol, THC, marijuana's psychoactive component, are found throughout the brain, but exactly where the chemical interacts within the brain determines how one experiences it. Researchers micro-infused rats with THC and recorded their behavioral responses and electrical responses in the part of the brain known as the nucleus accumbens, a complex frontal region responsible for reward behavior. This region in particular involves two neurotransmitters, dopamine, desire, and serotonin, satiety and inhibition. When THC responds to this region of the brain, it produces highly rewarding effects and enhances addictive behaviors in a way that is similar to opioid drugs like morphine. The nucleus accumbens is also involved in aversion processing in order to perceive potential threats, as well as helping to process what stimulates us, what we become addicted to, and reinforce reward behavior. When THC interacts in the posterior area of the nucleus accumbens, researchers reported adverse cognitive and emotional symptoms similar to those found in people with schizophrenia. In short, when THC interacts with the frontal region of the nucleus accumbens, the brains in rats were associated with a fun high. In the back, not so much. Of course, the study is just in rats. But the researchers note that it could help inform how and why certain people respond differently to the effects of marijuana. These findings are important because they suggest why some people have a very positive experience with marijuana when others have a very negative experience, said co-author Christopher Norris. Our data indicate that because the rewards and aversion are produced by anatomically distinct areas, the different effects between individuals is likely due to genetic variation, leading to differential sensitivity of each area. In other words, whether you enjoy getting high or not could literally be made in your DNA. And there you go. If that's ever bothered you as to why some people can get high and really enjoy it and others get really paranoid, maybe it's in your DNA after all. And before we get to the next story, let me do another real quick shout out. This one to Christine and Ian. What can I say? Ian, my son, Christine, my daughter-in-law, responsible for a significant change in my social media behavior. <laughs> Thank you so much to both of you. Making me look so good. Now, this is a story that kind of excites me and, and everybody in BC that has been looking forward to cannabis legalization and having a place where we can go and consume it. BC is considering cannabis consumption lounges. In a statement Wednesday, the Union of BC Municipalities explains the province is looking into the possibility of allowing cannabis consumption spaces. The BC Cannabis Secretariat plans to engage broadly with key stakeholders, including the UBCM's Cannabis Policy Technical Working Group in the fall, with formal public and stakeholder engagement in 2022, reads the statement. BC's current cannabis laws don't allow for consumption spaces, whether it's lounges, tasting rooms, or special events. UBCM says it has brought up this issue before as part of its work to inform the development of the provincial non-medical cannabis framework. In 2017, UBCM expressed support over developing consumption spaces in licensed establishments. Cannabis cultivators have emphasized that the viability of farm gate sales would be limited without the ability to offer tourism and hospitality experiences to attract visitors, reads the statement. There's also been increasing interest in non-medical cannabis consumption spaces for cannabis, tourism, and hospitality sectors as a means to help support economic recovery 
and increase the competitiveness of the legal cannabis market. And just as a bit of an aside to the story, I mean, you think about that. Here I am living in the Okanagan where there are wine tours galore and wine shops galore where you can go and do tasting all afternoon and get pretty darn tipsy. (laughs) Okay, I'll end my rant and back to the story. Any policy change would continue to focus on the province's priorities of public health and safety, protecting children and youth, road safety, as well as reducing the illicit weed market. Along with those principles, the UBCM notes the following measures must be met. Prohibit indoor smoking and vaping in public establishments. Prohibit minors in cannabis consumption spaces. Address drug-affected driving. Prevent involvement of organized crime. Discourage co-use of cannabis and alcohol. And require local and indigenous government recommendations prior to the province authorizing cannabis sales. Indoor cannabis consumption lounges aren't allowed in Canada. However, some spaces have been operating outside laws for decades, including Vancouver's New Amsterdam Café. Nonprofit Compassion Society, the Victoria Cannabis Buyers Club, deems its on-site consumption space as essential to its operations, but it temporarily shut down the space during the pandemic. Provincial and territorial regulations, as well as municipal bylaws, currently restrict consumption lounges in most jurisdictions. Ontario and the City of Edmonton have looked into allowing consumption lounges, but those wouldn't include smoking or vaping. An Ontario cafe has found a way to run an open-air consumption lounge that still abides by the province's smoking regulations. On the other hand, Alberta allowed a recent exemption in the Tobacco, Smoking and Vaping Reduction Act, which makes it possible for indoor cigar lounges to open but not cannabis consumption cafe. Oh, come on! (laughs) Now, if that is not an indication of stigma, I don't know what the heck is. Jeez! So, that is a story from Mugglehead.com about the possibility, or at least they're starting to think about it, starting to talk about it. Should cannabis lounges be in our future? Absolutely they should. THC, CBD, terpene profiles, what's in me? Oh, please explain to me. Cultivar Corner, Cultivar Corner, oh yeah. Cultivar Corner, please explain this stuff to me. All right, I'll be the first to admit it. (laughs) My plan for last episode of having those seven different cultivars all ready for Cultivar Corner lined up (laughs) with the possible, perhaps, problem that I might get too stoned and forget about doing the Cultivar Corners. (laughs) Guess what? (laughs) By the time the week finished, I took a peek at what I had left and I realized that I had, I had consumed them all. <laughs> it's not that they weren't good. Trust me, they were good. And I'll probably bring a couple of them back for a specific cultivar order. But I got really intrigued today because I got back to work. And we had a shipment in last week that fe- featured some more craft cannabis and some more local craft cannabis. And this one's especially interesting because... I think you may also find that in this episode of the Cannabis Podcast, there's also a story on the growers involved for this, because I found it, and I think it's some really cool information, especially when we've been recently talking about making that move from the black markets into the legal market. And as I've already indicated, the Cannabis Podcast is focused on the Canadian legal market, not the black market. But incidentally, we have talked about before a company called Joint Venture uh, I mean, joint venture craft cannabis. 
and they have been doing an exceptional job of collecting products from a bunch of different craft growers and getting it out to the marketplace. And this is another perfect example of that. So this one, I've talked about local before, but I think this is probably the most local we've done on Cultivar Corner to date. <clears throat> and this is from Ocanicraft, and we'll talk about the grower in a minute. So Ocanicraft is the grower. K-Town Kish is the strain, and I'll tell you what that is derived from in just a moment. The total THC is sitting at 21.3%. The total terpenes sitting at 2.65%. Now, interestingly enough, on the label, it does give me the total terpenes, but it gives me no information on the actual terpenes. So once again, we'll go to the web to find that information, but why don't we pop this to in a can? Pretty well everything that I've had from Joint Venture has been packed in a tuna can, which of course makes it real fresh, moisture proof. So it's probably some of the freshest weed that we can get. Let's pop it and see what happens. And there is the tuna can ripped off the top. Oh, those are some nice looking buds. Mm -mm -mm. So what have I got in here? I've got lots of very mature red hairs, so a dark red, some green components in the middle, which is not a surprise since this is cannabis and is composed mainly of green material. <laughs> now, in terms of aromas, what am I getting? Now, first of all, let's double check that we're right on weight. I always like to do that to make sure that nobody's ripping us off. And so I've got three pretty good-sized buds. So there, one is a one and a quarter grams. Add a second one, and that takes it up to 2.2, .2, so about another 0.8. 2.9, drop that last little piece on, and we throw in a couple of popcorn buds to get very nicely up to 3.6. Always like that when it's 3.6, not 3.5. So that's a good positive. Very interesting aroma notes. And now I'm going to go to the website and get a little help with the description of what K-Town Kish is. K-Town Kish is a cross between Kish and Godspud. Now, as I often do on the Cannabis Podcast, and especially in Cultivar Corner, I like to point out inconsistencies with products and their various representations on the web. And I found an inconsistency here talking about K-Town Kish. Now, this is perhaps not a fair inconsistency, uh, because what I found was in two different places, it talks about two different strains. So on the Ocanicraft.ca site itself, when they talk about K-Town Kish, they say, the aromas of fresh fruit will fill the air as you relax back and enjoy our K-Town Kish, the origin, God plus Shishkeberry. So that means God, Bud, and Shishkeberry, right? So now when I look at the website, and I have links to both of these uh, back at CannabisPodcast.com, so you can compare them yourself. And in this link, what is the uh, lineage for K-Town Kish? Well, how about Kish and God's Bud? Kind of different strains. Now, this one kind of makes more sense to me because I think they call it Godberry, is their affectionate name for the cultivar. So there is some discrepancy. Now, let's talk about what the aroma flavors on this. So, this strain, handcrafted from a legacy grower, used as one of Ocanicraft's pioneer plants on which they base their microcultivation facility. It's a versatile strain with a potential, now I like this part, to offer smokers an uplifting, fully functional high when used moderately. However, 
Heavy hitters and those who use K-Town Kish vigorously will notice an intense high that lasts at length. Enjoy its fruity, floral nose and taste. I think we've just been given a challenge, haven't we? <laughs> and that challenge is there's going to be two components to Cultivar Corner. We'll see what happens when we use it moderately. And then, as I typically do, I will use it more than moderately. And we'll see if we can get to that next extent. <laughs> what terpenes are in K-Town Kish, which is Kish and God's Bud or Kish and Shishkeberry, depending on who you believe? Terpenes, very interesting terpenes this time around. Osamine at 1.413%. Farnesine, 2 at 0.311%. And transcaryophylline at 0.273%. So caryophylline should have some pepper notes there. The farnesine going to give us some of that, I think, fruity flavor, fruity aroma. And, and the osamine, probably something similar to that. So as I said, these are really nice looking buds. Good size, good structure. They've been well trimmed, not machine trimmed. You can tell that because there's some care to them and they're not all the same size and shape, <laughs> which you can easily pick up on the machine trimmed weed. All right, that's enough talking about it. That's enough looking at it. It's time we ground some up, got something going in the vaporizer, and see where we go from here. So K-Town Kish, BC Black K-Town Kish, crafted by Ocanacraft. And what really intrigued me about this one was the fact that Ocanacraft are local growers. Let me give you a bit about the family. Again, later on in this episode, I'll have a whole story about their struggle to move from the black market into the legal market. Ocanacraft family is deeply rooted in the plant throughout their shared belief in its healing abilities. They started by growing cannabis for medical patients through the ACMPR program. And that experience reinforced their passion for both the plant and industry, which pushed them to begin the two-year renovation process to transition into the legal market. It was a difficult journey, but they're committed to keeping Ocanacraft a family-run, independent business so the focus will always remain, first and foremost, on caring for the plants. We're proud of our roots in this industry because they extend far beyond our family tree through to the people and communities we serve. And one of those communities that is being served by Ocanacraft is the community I live in, Kelowna, in the heart of the Okanagan Valley in British Columbia, the home of BC Bud. And it's nice to see some BC Bud coming back home, isn't it? Get the grind down. I think I got enough there both for a joint and for the vaporizer, so let me distribute them appropriately. <gasps> A bit of a faux pas. I forgot to pre-start the vaporizer. So we'll be waiting while I roll the joint for that vaporizer to come to a full force. <laughs> but I'm a pretty quick joint roller. So once we get this done while we're waiting for the vaporizer to come to proper heat, we'll just get right on with the taste. Now, a couple of guys at work were talking about uh, they really enjoyed this after having picked it up once it came in. And some were talking about the fruity notes and some were talking about the earthy notes. Just another example in my mind of the difference of how we all receive our cannabis. And there is just no blanket statement that says you're going to feel this way and you're going to taste this and, and all that. It's one of the fascinating factors of the industry, in my opinion. All right. See, there you go. I've got the vaporizer loaded. I have a joint all ready to roll. Now I just got to get out my lighter. And this is Ocanacraft's K-Town Kish, an indica-leaning hybrid. Mm. 
Now again, when I smell the can, I'm not picking up a lot of fruity. I'm picking up some earthiness, which would almost lead me to believe that there would be more myrcene in there than I'm picking up, but pleasant taste. No real notes when smoking it from the joint. Vaporizer is fired up, so why don't I do a double fist? And let me try one from the vaporizer and see if there's more taste notes. Oh, and definitely there are. Some of the fruitiness coming through in that. Bit of the earthiness. And again, the flavors that they're suggesting you might pick up is the citrus, the apple, and the wood. Not getting a lot of apple. I think it's farnesine that's going to give us the, the apple. But at such low percentages, I'm probably not going to pick up much green apple scent. The osamine, kind of the citrus, kind of the fruity nature, and I'm getting a bit of that. Now, what I really want to test here is, is there a difference between the fully functioning high that you get when you use moderately? So that's going to be about four or five hits, a couple from the joint, a couple from the vaporizer. However, heavy hitters and those who use K-Town Kish vigorously will notice an intense high that lasts at length. I'm not sure what the term at length means. What length? I mean, length could be two hours, one hour. <laughs> or luckily for me, if, if a high lasts 30 minutes, I'm pretty pleased. <laughs> Which could explain why I smoke so darn much weed. Okay. I'm marking a point in the sand. I believe that what I have consumed to this point would be considered moderate use. And at a THC of 21.3%, that moderate use has given me a, yeah, okay. <laughs> There's the happy eyes. I'm, I'm feeling high and, and fully functional. Now, perhaps I'm not the best one to test this on because... <laughs> As you may have noticed over many, many cultivar corners, <laughs> I'm usually pretty functional after I smoke weed. <laughs> I, I get high, I get a real good buzz, but it, it fortunately does not disallow me to do things that I would normally do. So I'm, I would agree at this stage that I have that fully functioning high. Now, can we get to the heavy hitter status? And notice that intense high that lasts at length. Again, we haven't yet determined what that at length means. So the joint's about half gone now. In terms of what the joint is doing, it is a nice clean ash. Holds well. Very little black in it. And nice gray ash as he finishes up. Let's pick that vaporizer up again and have a bit more fruitiness. Because you know I like to push the boundaries. If you give me an assessment that says, if I keep going here, I'm going to feel a different high. Well, I'm going to keep going here. <laughs> okay, I got down into the coughing area perhaps a little faster than I wanted to. Oh, and my vaporizer needs to be restarted. So, 
I think we have moved from moderate <coughs> into what I would call heavy hitter status. And is that getting more intense? Uh. <laughs> I was skeptical. I honestly was skeptical, but huh. maybe I'm not so skeptical anymore. <laughs> This might be an indication or or at least an instance of smoking a bunch of weed in a joint and in a vaporizer and getting to that stage where I'm past that moderate usage. Now I've headed into enhanced usage. <laughs> and lo and behold, the high has come along with it. <laughs> so I got to say, I'm pretty pleased. And, and uh, if I need to, I'll do a follow up with this later to say, oh, geez, that length. I've got some definition on that length now. <laughs> and it's still, that's that's just a guess for me. I'll, I'll try to update this and, and let you know exactly how long the high lasts. So it is it is a very nice high. Um, not feeling much moving into my body at this point. It's still mostly in that euphoric state. But I'm hoping that it's going to kind of drift into other areas. And really nice to see lots of this craft cannabis coming to the market. And thanks to the folks at Joint Venture Craft Cannabis for helping to get that into the faces of all of us across the country. Some of this fabulous craft cannabis grown by some great growers. And I think K-Town Kish is a winner. In fact, I, I took it even a little further. <laughs> I smoked another joint because I figured, well, okay, if we're really going to test the heavy hitter, then we should probably test the heavy hitter. And uh, they're right. <laughs> it gets much deeper and and more intense when you add that extra little bit of consumption. And so far, it's it's on the plus side of twenty. I guess getting close to thirty minutes, which is pretty good for me for the intense feeling I'm having right now. So once again, I uh, got to give props to Travis, the grower at Ocanacraft and K-Town Kish. Thanks for your efforts. Now let's look at a story from stratcan.com on Travis and his family and the journey they took to get to this point. The family behind Ocanacraft is another success story of a legacy BC grower transitioning into the legal recreational market, but the process wasn't easy, they say. Now that they have their first harvest ready for sale soon, they're eager to share their story of the long road it took to get to this point. Growing inside a facility they bought several years ago, operating under their ACMPR license, Travis Tully, along with his mother Nanette Tully and stepfather, began retrofitting the four-unit building to hold up to four licenses, micro and nursery, in 2018. Although already using the space for cannabis, the trio says they spent several hundred thousand dollars retrofitting the interior to bring it up to the regulations, often stretching themselves financially thin, with the hope they would soon get a license and could begin seeing the rewards. The retrofits they estimate were around $750,000 for the license. Travis, the family's grower, has spent years cultivating this craft in B.C., having taken an interest in cannabis plant science in his teens and with an entrepreneurial spirit. He found his hands in the dirt and a connection to the plant. When Travis saw a way to grow legally on the horizon, 
His desire to share his craft cannabis became his goal. He approached his mother and stepfather for support, and they didn't hesitate to put the plan in motion and apply for their microcultivation license as well as a nursery license for their colonial facility. Although they initially planned for an additional microcultivation and nursery license, Travis's mother Nanette, who manages Okana's sales and marketing, along with several other responsibilities, says they are currently reevaluating and diversifying, potentially looking at a processing license. We're looking at getting our own processing and sales license, absolutely, says Nanette. But we're going to start slow, because we're farmers, really. But we're looking at starting processing with a pre-roll solution, as pre-rolls seem to be contracting out and we need to evaluate what is best for our flower, our bottom line, and supporting the craft community. The family also intends to get their own processing and sales license, says Travis, because they hope to be able to open their own retail farm gate store once BC allows it. Located right along Kelowna's rail trail and in close proximity to the Okanagan UBC campus, their property is perfectly suited to cater to consumers living in and visiting the Okanagan Valley. We still don't know what it will look like, but we have some creative ideas and we'll be working with the right team to support our farm gate vision. We see a lot of tourist traffic, especially in the summer, Travis says, and it will be a great opportunity to showcase BC bud in its natural habitat. Although the process of licensing took longer than they anticipated, the extra time has given them a chance to observe the market and make important changes, says Nanette. For one, they've had to reprioritize which cultivars they first bring to market, she says. If we could have come into the market a year ago, the market wouldn't have been ready for us, explains Nanette, and we wouldn't have been ready for the market. What we've learned in the last year with all the pitfalls we've gone through has staged us for where we are now. Originally, they'd hoped to bring a cultivar they have a lot of experience growing, Tora Bora, but because it was less than 20% THC, they decided to wait until the market is more receptive to that kind of cannabis. Even the strain they decided on for their first entrance into the market, Blue Coma, she says is not as high in THC as others, but says the high terpene count more than makes up for this. We've decided to go with Godsberry, a cross between Kish and Godsbud, a great smoke with a strong berry fruit smell and taste, a great chunky frosty bud that will not disappoint. We're growing for the legacy and new consumer to enjoy true BC bud again. Securing unique genetics that have yet to be seen on the legal market is a big part of what they hope can distinguish themselves in the market, says Travis. Okana brought in around a hundred different cultivars, and he expects to choose the best of the bunch, narrowing his picks to about 30 in the next year or so, as they use their nursery space to pheno-hunt the best varieties. Working with another BC-based micro, Joint Ventures in Salmon Arm, they expect to have Blue Coma on shelves in BC, Alberta, and Saskatchewan in the coming months. Working with a like-minded processor like Joint Ventures, says Nanette, has been a positive experience. What Joint Ventures does for us, for example, is great. Their sole purpose is to package and distribute products for their cultivars. For their cultivators, not their cultivars. <laughs> See, that's an edit that I typically would have left out, but I've decided to leave it in because it's kind of humorous. Their mission is to transition, and this aligns with our values. These kind of partnerships are important, she says, because a lot of the micros getting licensed might be good at growing cannabis, but they don't necessarily know how to run a business or market and network their products and brand. Working with the BC Craft Farmers Co-op, Annette says she sees this as one of the biggest challenges for the success of many micros. I see business acumen as a big hurdle for the micro-cultivators, says Nanette. Just as an example, there are farmers sitting on their product right now who can't sell it. They call processors who don't call them back. At the co-op, we're addressing this. We're educating people on this right now, every day. This is often missed, she continues. They're farmers. 
They're not business people. You can have the best product and not know how to market it. Or you can have a mid-grade product and do great marketing and make more than the guy who doesn't know how to market. She points to other successful microbrands like North 40 and Dunn Cannabis, who have built the right partnerships and been active in engaging online to help build brand awareness. And I have to add especially the part in that story that talked about joint ventures, because I have on in front of me <laughs> in the Cannabis Podcast Studio, I have two or three containers that are all from JVC. So good job on what they have been doing. K-Town Kish, for example, that's one of them. The Black Kettle Farms that was my inspiration for today and will be on a future Cultivar Corner, also from joint venture Craft Cannabis. Well done, folks. It's great to see the BC market coming alive. And again, well done to the folks at Okana Craft. You made it and you're growing some pretty darn good weed. I had a blast appearing on the podcasters, a podcast about people who talk about pot on podcasts. <laughs> Podconx.com is the place to check out where you will find they are dedicated entirely to cannabis podcasts. It was kind of fun. Dan Humiston and I had a great conversation, enjoyed talking with him and, and had some fun talking about it. So you can check that out for yourself if you want to discover some other cannabis podcasts and Boy, are there ever a ton of cannabis podcasts out there. And this particular cannabis podcast is pretty well done. There are some interviews that I have coming up. A guy who is planning to transform the Toronto cannabis market. We'll see what his plans are. That's coming up, I think, in an episode or two. And who knows who's going to turn up on the cannabis podcast. If you ever have a comment about anything you hear, send a note to info at CannabisPodcast.com. CannabisPodcast.com is where you will also find links to all of the episodes. And with those links are links to the links I talk about. <laughs> it was actually, I think, in episode 14 or 15 that someone suggested that, and I've kept it up ever since. That wraps it up for episode 79 of the Cannabis Podcast. From the Cannabis Infused Studio, high above the Okanagan Valley... This was the Cannabis Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out A Major Journey today on all major podcast platforms.